You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hello and welcome to the Essential Apple Podcast, a show where we cover the last seven to ten days in the world of Apple news, reviews, rumors, roundup, gossip, tech, and, well, basically... Anything else that catches our eye, this is the Essential Apple Podcast. Hello, we're back again on another Sunday for another bout of podcasting madness of everything loosely related to the world of Apple. And joining me once again this week is Simon, the editor of the EssentialApple.com website. How are you doing, Simon? How has your week been? Uh, well, my week has been quite good, really, uh, overall. Rather better than yours, I think. Um, I had a day uh, at the hospital with my boy who had to have some minor surgery, but uh, that uh, was spent fruitfully messing about with my Bluetooth earbuds, which we'll probably talk about in a bit. Uh, and the boy is making good recovery. So, oh, and last night I went for a drink with my sister who lives the other side of the country to me and is visiting for Easter. So that was rather pleasant. So all in all, quite a good week. I decided last night to cycle to the pub and then cycle back safely. I might add with full lights. It's a lot harder to cycle home at late at night than I thought it was going to be. Thankfully, the majority of it was downhill. But yeah, my phone in yet yeah, more shocking. Everything comes into my world to die. I was cycling along on the way home from work on Friday and my phone decided that it wanted to escape the confines of its protective case, the protective case that I've used for the best part and the worst part of a year. So now I have a iPhone 6S with a cracked screen, which I could just about use. But if you type something or if you navigate, you're not quite sure what it's going to do. So it could be yet another trip back to Cardiff to try and get my iPhone fixed and to try and get my AirPods fixed, which a replacement got sent. However, it was sent via UPS. Now, I don't know if anyone's tried to use the UPS site recently, but it seems that unlike DPD here in the UK, if you get delivery, you click on the button and you could do really cool things like, say, change the dates, change, uh, leave a location. Uh, if you want to, you can get it redirected and you don't have to sign up. With UPS, if you want to make any changes, it seems that... You have to sign up from my UPS account. Okay, that's that's a bit annoying, but I'll, I'll go ahead and do that. But then, once you've entered all your details, in this age of internet and technology and two-factor authentication and all that sort of stuff, nope, they don't use any of that to verify who you are. Instead, they send you a letter in the post with a code. Yes, a letter in the post with a code so you can then redirect something that's been sent to you. Now, of course, uh, it takes no a doubt, couple of no days. would have got there a lot faster than the letter. Yes. So basically now, UPS have tried to deliver my replacement AirPods twice. I still haven't received a letter from UPS to authenticate. So there's pretty much nothing I can do unless I really want to lose the will to live and spend probably or an hour on the phone to them. So, yeah, I I, I just don't want these AirPods. I think it's a cursed thing. I, I think I'm just genuinely cursed at the moment. I, can't, I still can't believe how my... And, you know, it's that sickening sound of 
when you drop your iPhone on the floor normally, you wince a little bit and you think, oh, you hold your breath, you pick it up, the fl- pick it up off the floor, and you think, yeah, it'll be all right. However, when I heard it hit the deck on Friday, it's like, I knew, I knew. And there was that moment where I was looking down at the floor going, I don't want to actually pick it up. I really yeah. so I know that one. I know that one. The time I broke my uh, six screen, where I foolishly was trying to take it out of my pocket whilst crossing the road, and uh, I fumbled it, and it went, you know, like twelve foot and hit the pavement on the far side of the road. And uh, there's a distinct sound that it makes, not the, just the, the clatter of a of a phone hitting the floor, but a rather more stomach churning noise, which tells you before you pick it up, that it's gone, that the glass has busted. And that's going to be, I think it's 130 quid now uh, to get the screen replaced. But the problem Uh, is is that where it's hit the deck, there's a nice dink, and it's actually... in fact, it's quite. I'll actually get this. So it might even be the show art for the show this week. My broken iPhone, but it's actually bent the metal case as well. So it must have, you know, whatever it hit, at least it, at least the damage is significant enough to go. Oh, you know what? That's quite impressive. But to sort of rub salt into the wounds, our very first thing on the show notes this week is. The end of cracked iPhones, Apple patents, anti-shock bumper that could save your screen. Yeah. Yes. Talk about it's kicking a man when he's down. <laughs> this looks like yes. some and wacky just adver- to really just to up the ante there. It was you who posted this in the list. Yeah. I believe. This oh again, hopefully if I get the chapter art working, which I think I've almost sussed it. It's basically an iPhone case where when the, it looks like when the case is about to hit the ground, the four corners of the case pop out to act as sort of like a, an airbag slash bumper. I suppose that would be what it is. Um, but they don't actually. Oh, what fact, what fact? Why? Why do this? Why do people go? Oh, here you are. Here's an app review, but you won't link to it. And now the mirror have done exactly the same. Here's a patent, but we're not going to link to it or tell you where you can find any more information from. Uh, any who's yeah well I, I know they did have a link uh but it goes back to their own site so that's a big fail thanks very much to mirror for rubbing that one in yeah there's same... a picture on the mirror's site there's a picture here of an iphone with these sort of spring sprung out beagle-esque bumpers on the corners the patent explains this shock absorber may include buoyant materials which permits the portable electronic device to float in the event that it is dropped or otherwise exposed to water. Uh, handy for those of us prone to dropping our iPhones in the toilet or the bath. Uh, this is, apparently was filed on May 2014, so it's not new. Uh, um, yeah, they've been filed, but they've only just been awarded the patent, haven't they? I have a feeling I read something about it back then, but it's, um, I don't know, it's, it's a bit of a wild idea. I suppose it would be good if it worked, but uh, <laughs> all a bit speculative. I love the end of the article where it says, but it would make a great accessory to go along with the company's rumoured iPhone 8. Oh, yeah, right. Uh, right, moving swiftly, swiftly on. We actually have a review. We've put one up on that there website of ours. The uh, the TWS Mini BT earbuds. Tell me about them. What are they like? What's the quality like? What's, the, what's it like to make a phone call? And, and you went through... Quite a bit of grief as well, if I remember correctly, just trying to get them to work. 
Uh, well, I, I don't know that I'd describe it as grief. They uh, they arrived on the Wednesday night, and uh, I took them out of the packet, and I, I didn't see uh, any, like, small instruction booklet, although the descriptions all say uh, one user guide. Um, that might have just been me. You know, I'd probably just ripped the packet open and pulled them out. But I charged them overnight, and then I, I took them with me to the hospital on Thursday because, obviously sitting in the hospital most of the day waiting for my boy to have surgery is not the most interesting of events but I didn't have any instructions so uh, I did quite had to have quite a a journey of discovery figuring out how to make them work and uh, I I suppose I have to give thanks to Mr DuckDuckGo for helping me out with that however once I got them working they are excellent Really, I mean, they cost eleven pounds and one pound fifty shipping. Um, they're they're small, they're light. Uh, I found them secure and comfortable. The sound is. Uh, I'm no audiophile, so I'd say the sound is is good enough. I listened to some music. I uh, listened to a couple of podcasts. If anything, I suppose you might say it's a little bit sharp or tinny, but not terribly so. I've I've listened to much worse. Um, and for the money, I I thought they were fabulous. And uh, I've immediately ordered another pair for my wife. So let's face it, £12.50 for some true wireless uh, earbuds, I, I thought was an absolute bargain. And uh, you can read all about it on the site. Yes, you can indeed read the saga. And of course, it will be on the website with the affiliate link. And thank you to Nibs, who listens to the podcast, for letting me know that the link wasn't working. It's going to be fixed by the time you get to hear this very show. I'm, I am a big fan of wireless stuff in general. In fact, as I look at my desk, I've got the, uh, the Magic Keyboard, the Magic Trackpad. Uh, I've got AirPods, which, when they work, they're brilliant. However, it's when they work. But I'm not going to bang on them again. Uh, I'm just, if anything, I'm just a bit exacerbated. Uh, and for anyone who's keeping up with the iPad Pro saga, despite two senior Apple engineers promising me sincerely that them or their team will pick up this case and they will give me a call back to ensure that the problem is sorted, guess what? No phone calls. <sighs> shocking. Shocking. But not as shocking. As the big announcement of the week, now, I don't know what we can say that hasn't already been said here. The Mac isn't dead, and Apple do care about the pros. Now, obviously, anyone listening to a podcast has probably already heard about this from pundits way more uh, intelligent, uh, crystallizing, opinionated, and knowledgeable than us. But it's still worth mentioning. My only sort of thought here is... Well, I was speaking to Carl from the Mac and Forth show, and he says that the real story here is that Apple have never been this forthcoming. They've never sort of been this public to say, we've made a mistake, but we haven't made a mistake. My sort of theory is, though, is this only something that they just realized? What I would love to have known the catalyst point, and I know they said that they all have been on their spiritual journeys. What actually made them go now of all times? To go, you know what, this, yeah, we've got to do something or got to say something. Um, well, I think there's a couple of things. One, one of which is, you know, it's been far too long since there's been any movement on the thing. And I, I, as you say, you know, people far more uh, knowledgeable and informed have been over this a million times. But as I read it, they made a bet on using the dual 
GPU architecture that they come up with, and that led them to this triangular thermal core, which goes inside the trash can, and they bet on that fairly heavily with the idea of Thunderbolt 3 expansion chassis being used outside of the main computer, but that wasn't how the how the industry developed. People have gone though those who, who create these GPUs have gone for, you know, massively powerful single uh GPUs and, and they just keep ramping them up. And if you read carefully what uh what was said, they they've said all everything there is to say that is we're sorry, apart from we made a mistake. And I I think it's not so much we made a mistake as in this was a rubbish design and a rubbish computer because it's neither of those things. I think the problem is that they took a bet on a direction of the industry and it was the wrong bet. The rest of the industry went in a different direction. And what they've said is, you know, we painted ourselves into a thermal corner. And I think what that really means is that, you know, the shape and design of the Mac Pro doesn't allow them to take out the the twin kind of GPUs they've put in there and replace them with these big honking ultra powerful massive GPUs which probably chuck out heat like a you know rocket burner um and that that's and they've been stuck there just aren't the components to up to upgrade the machine they can't you know there are almost no components available because they're not it's not because apple aren't from reading through that it's not that they don't want to it's the there just aren't the components available um so what they've done obviously what they've what they've done is they had that small gathering with gruber and a few others and said yeah okay you know we admit it it's it's a mistake it's gone wrong um and yes they're going to build a new mac pro and yes it will be modular and no it won't be this year and as a kind of sop for those of who are desperate for a machine they've uh rammed the uh i don't know they've rammed the specs yes i think they've basically they've moved everything down a notch so i don't know whatever was the base machine is now gone and so the base machine is what was the middle machine and so on and i think they may have added some more clout to the top one but overall what they're saying is yeah it just it was it was a great design and a great idea but it hasn't panned out um, and of course, they were also talking about the fact that, uh, you know, their share, their Mac, what they consider to be professional users make up about 30 percent of their buyers. And then Mac Pro buyers are, a, you know, a, a small share of that. And then the people for whom the current Mac Pro isn't what they need are a small share of that. So. But I think they're also responding to the fact that people have been creating a stink. That's that's yeah, where yeah that's where I've where I've been reading it from is that there's moaning. been yeah they've been moaning and yeah quite rightly so because it was getting to uh, an embarrassing state so so much so that it's permutating in work that you know we're buying Microsoft surfaces. Uh, I might even have a video review of one next week just to go a little bit south. But there was two things I took away from this that. But you're right, Microsoft, sorry, Microsoft Apple betted heavily on OpenCL, which is the way in which you distribute, it's a language that distributes the code over, uh, sorry, processes over two graphics cards in a very basic nutshell. 
And it seems that people, instead of going, well, instead of re-engineering our software to use two, um, two, G, you know, two GPUs, we don't need to because we're in this state now in technology where optimization will only go so far because there's always another graphics card. There's always another processor just around uh, the corner. And this has been this, this has been the same now for almost decades now because we're in this PC PC industry where you don't have to optimize. You can be a bit lazy because the new shiny that's going to come out is going to give you that that speed bump. That was one of the most interesting things that OpenCL wasn't adopted. And it's kind of like how I keep banging on about wishing to see more of Metal, because if you're a developer, do you really have to use Metal to get the best out of a game? Because you know that in six months' time, a new Shine is going to come along with new graphics, and you kind of think, well, I could optimise, but am I going to optimise for something that's only £3 in the App Store or something like that? But the thing that made me laugh the most was when Apple said they're going to go back to a modular design. And I was thinking about this. So you want like a design where you can put components in, you can take components out with relative ease and relative little cost. And I'm thinking, yeah, that's a PC case. Are they going to go with like little modular bricks, which you could stack upon each other and connect some way, somehow, because Lord only knows what sort of technology uh, they're working on. But yeah, it's basically going to be a PC case. I mean, if it's an updated cheese grater, I think that's going to be a bit of a, a throwback in the face. Uh, and I think John, I don't think Johnny Ive is going to do that. But again, as all the other shows have said, you know, that the powerhouse doesn't need to be some really nice, sleek, swanky machine. It can look nice, but it's more about what you can get out of it. And I think that's where Apple have gone a bit wrong. Is that when when it did come out and the applications that did use it were fine, but then to not update it and just to leave it stagnant was basically telling the whole world in Sunji, they're going, you know what, this is just the end of that product. So, uh, yeah, I'm not that I'd ever be able to afford to get it, but it's but this has always been the one win that Apple can get for their lineup, because as we all know, Apple really doesn't do anything with graphics. They haven't really ever betted heavily on big graphics performance. It was always been, yeah, they've always sort of shied away from gaming. And if you want to get a good graphics card for your Mac, then you're pretty much left getting an Xbox One or a PS4 and streaming and hooking it up that way. The cheese grater might not be the most inspiring looking thing, although I always thought it was a a lovely piece of design. But it was a very long lived design. I mean, they did the G5 and then they did the Mac Pro, which was basically the same thing. And it is just a tin box, in effect. It's lovely inside with all the ducting and everything. It's a beautiful, beautiful machine. And to my mind, the inside of a G5 slash Mac Pro shows you how the inside of a computer should look. No wires, no trailing crap everywhere, just modular pieces that slide in and connect with plugs to the motherboard like Lego. Fabulous. And everybody said it. Everybody said it. it doesn't matter if you restyle it or use different materials for the thing. A true Mac Pro needs to be that. It needs to be a box that you can just plug in all these different elements. You know, four drives, huge graphics cards, whatever. Yeah, expansion chassis. Um, by modular, of course, you could... Um, you could take it in the way you just said of boxes. Uh, many years ago, I can't remember that there was a company who brought out a series of um, 
peripherals for the Mac, which stacked. And instead of at the time, you know, using scuzzy cables to connect it all, they they stacked on top of each other with a, with a, a modular plug. So that each box sat on top of the previous box and was connected to it simply by standing on top of it. Do you remember that one? The problem you've got there is if you end up with different boxes, let's say you have three boxes, you've got your motherboard, your storage, and your graphics card. You then got three components, and would you end up in a situation where you've got an old motherboard but a new graphics card, but the graphics card may not be compatible with the old motherboard, and then will the storage connect up properly? It depends on how Apple do it. I, I would love to see something like a stacked Mac Mini design. Uh, in fact, that was quite a nice little giveaway. When uh, Was it Schiller who said that the Mac Mini hasn't been forgotten about? Uh, that would be quite nice if they haven't. Yeah, very much so. But the one win that Apple can get out of all of this, providing they don't release an ARM-based iMac, which, let's face it, with the share price of that company, we'll come on to that later on, the one win that Apple have always had is if they were to put a beefier graphics card in their machines and not say so much along the lines of gaming, but productivity and entertainment, they've got that win. That's always been the area that they've uh, languished. But then that's going to go against the Johnny Ive design methodology of making everything slimmer and sleeker and all that sort of stuff. Well, see, my thing with that is I think that is part of where they went wrong with the current Mac Pro. You know, Johnny is a brilliant designer, but, you know, nobody is perfect. Everybody can pick up the ball and run in the wrong direction. It happens. Happens to the best of us. But in this case, I I think it was one of those things where they got wrapped up in this idea of if we do this, then we make this triangle. Then the triangle is a thermal core. And, yeah, it it doesn't need a fan because it acts like a chimney and it does all this. And somewhere... They got into a self-justification loop and they built that machine and it was innovative and it was clever and it was brilliantly designed, but it wasn't the machine they should have been making. Not for pros. As a top-end consumer machine, maybe, but not for your hardcore, you know, audio-visual technicians, the people who put together Pixar movies, the people who... But isn't there an argument to be said that if it, it's it's failed because software developers didn't jump on board to support the dual uh, the dual card architecture, or is it that the dual cards are just that old? People just decided not to bother. That was the, that was the, the the takeaway that I got from that. They betted big on making what they had in there as efficient as possible, but it just didn't seem to have the support from third parties. I, I think there's that, but there's also just the fact that they they made that bet. They made that bet on using parallel GPUs and code optimization. And the the GPU manufacturing business said, nah, sod that. Let's just make bigger, more massive, more powerful GPUs. It's a bit like the difference between saying this Volkswagen Beetle 2017 has a 1.3 litre engine but it is the most efficient, you know, engine in the world. And it develops, I don't know, let's say 200 brake horsepower. And another company going, you know, we could do that, but actually here's our Ford Mustang and we just stuck a six litre V8 in it. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, the car, yeah, that's that does work. Yeah. And I think that the thing is, Apple went down the, let's make it lean and mean and optimised and clever. And the GPU makers went, Nah, 
let's just bore it out a bit more and, you know, give it more oomph. And I think that's what Federighi alluded to, wasn't it? That the progress that's been made with single core cards versus dual cards, far and stripping you know, what they wanted to do. I can, I can see why Apple might have made that bet, because the CPU industry went massively for the parallel processing route, sticking more and more cores in. Went from using power PCs and trying to say, right, we're going to do this and we're going to do this to get power out of it. And then they jumped to Intel and everybody was on, right, these are dual core. We've got core, core duo, core two duo. You know, then we're sticking in four cores. My takeaway from it has been that I can't remember the last time Apple have ever said, we're going to bring, you know, we're releasing a product. It won't be till this time next year, unless it's Tim Cook when he says that mythical, we've got plenty of great products in the pipeline at the start of the year, and then we end up with something like the Apple TV at the end of the year. It's going to be very interesting, and we can't wait to see the rumors mill start speculating. Sorry, the rumor. Ah. Oh, I've given up. I can't do it. I can. We'll just move on to the next story. Uh, oh, blimey. I wish I could blame a night out on the tiles for it, but I can't. This is just me normally these days. But there is good news for Apple. There isn't now on the next story. That's a, that's a thing. In a recent statement, Apple has admitted that there are around as four, four times as many Windows 10 users as there are Mac users. Not really surprising there. The statistics show that Apple's Mac OS operating system is not lagging behind as initially expected, even though it is miles behind Windows 10 in terms of user base. According to a briefing with TechCrunch, Apple's Phil Schiller admitted that the company's Mac platform had been adopted by nearly 100 million users. Schiller shares some numbers that he says are meaningful to Apple. The Mac user base is nearing 100 million users. As a business, it's also nearing a 25 billion run rate and is close to being a Fortune 100 company on its own. Apple now ships computers of a ratio of 80% notebooks to 20% desktop computers. A stat they haven't updated on the pub, uh, sorry, the stat, a uh, stat they haven't updated the public on in some time. MacBook's MacBook Pro sales have been strong with 20% growth in the fiscal quarter one year on year. At the same time, Microsoft, Microsoft announced earlier that its Windows 10 user base was standing at 400 million users, showing the dominance of the, com- of the company's desktop OS. Now, you've got a note in here, Simon, which is a, a little bit interesting. Yes. Well, I, I mean, I've been a Mac user, obviously, since the days of the 2CX uh, in the late 80s. And uh, I have to say that, oh dear, oh dear, four, you know, four... Uh, Windows 10 devices for every Mac. Well, in my eyes, that's a huge win because uh, back in the day, it used to be 19 to 1 because Apple was quoted as having a market share of 3 to 5%. Um, so if they're saying 4 to 1, that means Apple's holding 20% of the market, which I'd say is not bad. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, this is as good enough a break as point. Oh, you can tell I need a break. This seems as good enough a point to take a break and let Nemo do his thing for the next three minutes. So, John, over to you for another Nemo's Hardware Store. Several months ago, I reviewed a portable Bluetooth water-resistant compact speaker with the best name ever. It's called the Vava Voom. V-A-V-A-V-O-O-M. The original one was the Model 20. Well, there's now a Model 21, the Vava Voom 21. And we will have the links in our show notes, both for the Vava.com website 
vavava.com and also the Amazon UK buying links because we did check and these are available in Britain. The Model 21 in the U.S. costs $90 and the Model 20 in the U.S. costs $60. The main difference that you get for half again as much is you get louder sound, superior sound, longer battery life, and an equalizer, a really nice three-stage equalizer. Here's its official name. Get ready. Have a good long sit-down for this one. VavaVoom 21 Wireless Bluetooth Speakers, 3 EQ modes customized for any music, 20-watt surround sound and strong bass, including 10-watt subwoofer and dual passive radiators, charger port for phones, app decks, and microphone. On Amazon in the U.S., it has 989 customer reviews, and it's got four and a half stars. It's a number one best seller at $90. It is a screaming deal, and it is the single best one-piece portable Bluetooth speaker with equalizer we have ever heard in this price range or, or anywhere even close to it. The official name of the other one is the VavaVoom 20 Bluetooth speakers, IPX5 splash proof, deep bass, portable wireless speakers with two passive subwoofers, power bank slot for phones charging, $60 and $90. They're both excellent. I have one of each. I use the Model 20 when I'm outside anywhere it's going to be exposed to the elements or could possibly be wet even though do not take it underwater strictly for above water listening, but you can put it in the shower. Just don't take it and submerge it. And when you read the information and follow the links and read the 216 rave reviews, such as the ones in the USA Amazon store, you'll see I'm not the only one who likes the VavaVoom 20. But for sound quality, nothing matches the Model 21. It's very, very loud. It's crisp. It doesn't distort. It's got your Bluetooth, your play, your pause, your advance able to talk on the phone, use FaceTime, Skype, wire, any of that stuff that you're going to normally want to do with a high-quality Bluetooth speaker. Save your money. Make this a top-priority item. It's tricky to decide which of the three EQs to recommend, but there's one where it turns it into a surround sound, and it just fills the room. Beautiful product and design and sound. Three at least thumbs up from Nemo's Hardware Store for the VavaVoom 21 wireless Bluetooth speaker. Strongest recommendation. Thanks for listening. Back next week. Thanks, John, for the Nemo's Hardware Store. This is Guy from the MyMac.com podcast. And as well, I, you know, also the, uh, I don't know how many people know about this, the Mac to the Future Go live cast that I do over on Facebook on Wednesday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, let's see on the Mac to the future Facebook page. Boy, that could not have come out any worse. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and you can also support this show, which is the essential Apple podcast. See, I'm, I'm really not doing this well, uh, by going and using their affiliate link. And, uh, Mark will have a link in the show notes about using that affiliate link and blah, 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 blah. Hi. Hi guys. <laughs> Yeah, couldn't have done it any better uh, myself. What's this like? What's this like? Eastern Standard Time. What's that for? See here, uh, here in Blighty. Uh, Use the proper time zone. I am five hours behind you. 
<laughs> so you're doing it at three no, o'clock in the afternoon. 18 a.m. As, as we are speaking. Behind. Yep. So if you're doing it at eight o'clock in the after in the evening, that's three p.m. for us here in good old Blighty. No no, 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 other, other way around. Oh, yeah, other way around, but no, you feel five hours behind. Yeah, be- no, so, behind. Be- Moving on to the next Welcome story. To the, <laughs> let's talk about to, time yeah. zones podcast. <laughs> well, I've always said, seeing as that we're Greenwich Mean Time and all time starts from zero from London, everyone else should just get on board and we should just all have the same time. So what? So what? What is this? What is this live stream malarkey? Then where uh, did I've, this come actually, about? You know, it, for as long as I've been podcasting, and uh, I'm almost embarrassed to say I've been doing it for a very, very long time, uh, I've wanted to, because you know, I'm 56 years old, and I grew up in the 70s, and, you know, the DJs, and taking live calls, and that's, that, you know, all that stuff, oh, come on, I have a cat here who is, like, not cooperating. Uh, it, it's stuff that I've always kind of wanted to do, and the you know the the ability to easily and relatively inexpensively uh live cast now over the, over the internet's uh at you know you're talking at the same time that people are watching you more or less there's like a 10 second delay but there's not much you can do about that uh it it kind of brings an immediacy to uh the whatever it is that you're doing as far as podcasting goes and it's it's just a lot of fun i i love the instantaneous feedback that I get from uh, the people that are watching me live over on Facebook, the Mac to the Future Facebook page. Yeah, let's throw that in again. That's not the Mac to the Future Facebook page where it says Mac to the Future Cheese. I've just found the Facebook page, which apparently is a fast food uh, restaurant in London. Going to no, assume it's no, not that it's, one. It's, it's it's not that. There's there is a lot of cheese on the page, but it has nothing to do with the actual food product. <laughs> Gotcha. So how are you finding it? So do you find it more rewarding than podcasting or is it just something that you're doing pretty uh, much just because you can? Pretty much because I can. Um, I, you know, I enjoy doing all kinds of podcasts. I, I especially love doing the MyMac podcast with Gaz uh, because, uh, and I don't know if this, this is speaking ill of him or not, but he gets me, he understands me. So, you know, that right there, you, you might kind of say, well, you know, maybe Gaz is a little bit off too. And, you know, that's probably not far from the truth. But when you have someone that you've podcasted with for a very long time, Gaz and I have been doing the MyMac show for, I think, over six years now. It, you know, you can almost finish each other's thoughts. And <laughs> he, on occasion, you know, he used to try to figure out where it was I was going with something. And he doesn't really even bother with that anymore. He just gives me enough rope to hang myself. And I almost always do. So it's, it's you know, doing a podcast with Gaz is just great. It, it's wonderful. It's fun. Uh, it, it's almost like therapy for the two of us, probably more so for me. Uh, but doing the live cast, I, I'm, you know, because I'm doing that basically by myself, it, it's like I'm, I'm podcasting without a net. And it, it's given me the chance to kind of spread my wings a little bit and to see if I can actually fill uh, 30 to 40 minutes with content from just a, the crazy crap that, that comes in and out of my head all the time. And so far, you know, it's, it's been okay. Um, you can, you know, I mean, you can kind of almost see the progression because I've done six of them now. And besides having them on the Mac, the future page, uh, you can also see all the, the past ones on the, 
uh, Mac to the Future Go uh, website, which is mttfgo.com. And of course, you can also check them all out over there on Facebook. If you do a search for Mac to the Future, um, the, the playlist that has all the videos in it will, will come up. And if you watch the first one and you watch the last one, you can see how I'm becoming a lot more comfortable with uh, doing a solo show. And, you know, that's the whole thing. When you're, when you're podcasting with someone else and you kind of hit a, a brick wall as far as the, the next thing it is that you're going to say, you can kind of count on the other person to pick up the conversation. But when you're going solo, you know, it's, it's like, come on, brain, keep going. You know, you still got, you got stuff to fill. You can, you can reach over and grab that cup of water and take a sip and that'll give you a couple seconds to, you know, recollect your thoughts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah. So, you know, I think the the next thing I would like to try, and unfortunately it's not easy and uh, especially for a free podcast, it's not cheap. Uh, I would like to to take calls from people. And, you know, let them come in and give me something else to talk about. It's, it's just an extension of uh, the radio metaphor, I guess. You know, a, a lot of people that do podcasts uh, grew up with radio. So, you know, we'll see. I'm, I'm with you on that one. I can, ever since I can remember, I've always had an affinity for listening to a radio over listening to a CD. And I've never, ever been able to pin it down on why... Um, I, I just prefer the radio. I really, really do. As long as it isn't commercial radio. And I know you Americans have got it so much worse because every three seconds there's another advert. Uh, we're not that bad here in the UK yet, but it's slowly, slowly creeping in. I think I found the page. I've got the Mac to the Future Go website. That will be in the show notes. Um, just to recap what we've been I, through. I kinda, um, I my AirPods still don't work. Yeah. Uh, well, literally, he just he just sort of pinged us on Wire, which is a brilliant application. Hello to all the people at Wire. One of you may be listening. Just to bring you up to date, I've broken my iPhone. My AirPods don't work. Simon got AirPods for about $15 that do work. Um, the Mac Pro isn't dead. Have you got anything to contribute to uh, that? I, I just picked up. I, that hasn't already been said a, by the millions um, of. A quad Mac Mini, a 2012 Quad Mac Mini. I'm not really sure what I'm going to do with it yet. The original plan was, well, I should be able to incorporate this somehow into my various activities. Um, but, it, but it wasn't until I actually hit the buy button that I was like, wait, that, how, how would I do that again? So we'll see. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I have this, this odd train of, of consciousness that leaks over into my real life. And, you know, I sometimes do things and it's like, well, I don't know if I should have done that, but it's too late now. <laughs> yeah, He's like, oh, well, it's done now. <laughs> uh, oh, you know, I have, believe it or not, I have been listening to the show. We've got a listener, Simon. And, uh, We've got you, a listener. Woo. A listener. Uh, you have <laughs> made, one. <laughs> you've made several references to uh, Carl's singing. And I, I actually have. Oh, yes. Soundboard. Um, the faking news of Blitzageddon Trump Apocalypse Gate song that I wrote and that Carl sang. If you want to hear it, oh please, this this will this will take up some valuable time. That means we don't have to do any filling. Okay, Are you you want me to play it right now? <laughs> yeah, go on. This is brilliant. I can sit back and have a cup of tea. <laughs> okay, here it is. 
It's Bacon News of Blitz again, a Trump apocalypse gate. Crazy as it may sound, it's something really great. And if you say it loud enough, you always sound quite fake. Bacon News of Blitz again, a Trump apocalypse gate. Trump diddly, 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 Trump diddly. Went out on the internet just to check the news. But what I found when I looked up just gave me the blues. And then one day I learned a phrase that saved me aching head. Biggest words you ever heard, and this is what it said. Oh, fake news bits again, a Trump apocalypse. It's crazy as it may sound, it's something really great. And if you say it loud enough, you always sound perfect. Fake news of blitz again, a Trump apocalypse. Gate. Trump delay, 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 Trump delay. The Republicans and Democrats both just like to claim the other side's news is fake and they're the ones to blame. But Fox and CNN both speak the falsehoods never masked. And then I say my special words so they can kiss my ass. Fake news bliss again, a Trump apocalypse. Gate. Crazy as it may sound, it's something really great. And if you say it loud enough, you always sound like fake. Fake news of bits again, a Trump apocalypse. Fake Trump diddly, Trump diddly, Trump diddly, Trump diddly. So when the politicians open up their mouths, just summon up this word and tell them please go south. They kiss you where the sun don't shine, cause that's a real good start. And if they're not sure what you mean, then out of Gwaping Far. Oh, fake news bits again, a Trump apocalypse. Crazy as it may sound, it's something really great. And if you say it loud enough, you always sound perfect. Bacon news of blitz again, the Trump apocalypse gate. Bacon news of blitz again, the Trump apocalypse gate. Crazy as if it sound is something really great. And if you say it loud enough, you'd always sound perfect. Bacon news of blitz again, the Trump apocalypse gate. Bacon news of blitz again, the Trump apocalypse gate. Oh, I think I need to lay down a bit now. So that's it. <laughs> Ah. The, the good news is that we didn't hear any of that, so Did I'm going to have to add that in in post. <laughs> no. Oh, nope. I heard it the first time. Yeah. There's a bit of a thing. Getting soundboards to work with wire is a bit tricky. We've managed well, to have ours working once. I've got the, <laughs> the way I've got the, um, the audio set up. Let me hit the... Because you use loopback, don't well, you? Which actually, just had I, an upgrade, I, I which... Loopback and I use Audio Hijack Pro, and... In Audio Hijack Pro, I've got various inputs and outputs set up, and um, I use loopback in order to route those inputs to the various outputs that I want. So I've got uh, a GarageBand tracks output that allows me to take my microphone, soundboard, and, and Skype audio and put those in separate tracks in GarageBand. And I've got another one that, that I call Skype AH that allows me to take my microphone and soundboard separate from Skype and send that through to Skype. So whoever I'm talking to on Skype can hear both myself and soundboard. And for whatever reason, it looks, it looks like, um, I thought I had set up wire. Wait, I got so much crap open on my screen. Now I can't find wire. There's wire. Welcome to my world. You see people, it's not just me before we went live. Uh, I actually had the soundboard working, I tinkered with two things, and now it's not working. (laughs) Well, yeah. What we'll do is we will have a tinker around. Um, If you're around sometime later in the week or today, maybe, we'll have a bit of a session. Because there's a lot of people out there that use wire, and the reason I use it is because I'm on really crappy upload uh, stream, uh, and wire has been the only thing that doesn't implode. 
Uh, what have we got on the, uh, yeah, pretty much, uh, especially since Skype is basically just a big colossal mess at the moment. Uh, right, what have we got next on the list here? Um, clips. Again, speaking of Mr. Madden, who seems to be the big topic of the show, he's released a video created with clips. Now, I don't think, I, I haven't used it, I don't think Simon's used it, but you've used clips, which is a new app for making fun videos to share with friends, family, and the world. What have you used it for, Guy? Uh, anything appropriate? Do we dare uh, well, ask what yeah, you've been recording? Nothing, you know, nothing X-rated. Just, um, uh, I just wanted to try the app out. And you know, the thing about Clips, it, it is relatively easy to use, but the interface is like less than intuitive. So, you know, I recorded a, a couple of little video clips, and the way that the interface is laid out, it almost makes you think that it's listening to your voice picking up the words and then immediately putting those words on screen. But that's not the way it works. You, you record the clips first, then you go back into it and you hit, okay, I want it to pick up all the words that I said, and then it translates the words onto the screen or, you know, whatever other effects it is that uh, clips has available to it that you're going to use. You have to do that kind of in post and you can string these various clips together to make one continuous clip which is what carl did and what i did but again as you're doing it it's not immediately intuitive that that's what it's going to do so you know it it's still a new program and it's going to need a little bit of little bit of work i'm sure uh but for a first release app especially from apple because you know apple doesn't have the greatest reputation for putting out app you know especially back when they were still in the skeuomorphic days of putting out an app that works exactly the way that they said it was going to work for everybody at the same time. You know, it just, sometimes it just doesn't. So Apple have actually released something which is okay, but it's, it's that typical thing of Apple is that they release something and then there's like, well, why haven't you just made it a little bit more accessible or a bit more usable? And it also explains why he spelt my name wrong in the video. Oh, okay. Carl. Because it's two P's, two L's, not one P, not one L. Not that I'm entirely well, precious. Sometimes you have to pee more than once. Yeah, it's true. Why did him on the show? If 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 I had the if I had the same board, that would be that would have been a rim shot moment, <laughs> sir. So, do you see this as being anything more than a quick flash in the pan? Is this something that the the, the kids of today are going to adopt and actually keep using, or? Is it going to be like, are they going to go, oh, my God, not enough Snapchat filter, lols sort uh, of situation? I think it's going to depend on, you know, because Apple, again, doesn't have the greatest reputation when it comes to social media. Uh, pretty much everything that they've tried Ping. to do as far as social media goes is crash and burn. The one thing that has, you know, kind of stood the test of time has been their message app. And so you can you can take these clips and you can put them in messages to send to other people. However, you can also use them and send them to Twitter. You can send them to Facebook. I'm sure that uh, as time goes on, there's you know other large social media sites that you can you can send these clips to. So you know, kind of contrary to what Apple has done in the past, they're they're not really kind of doing this in a vacuum. They're they're making it so that you can use this program with other services, which is a good idea. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think and it sounds right for, for what. Because, as you say, they had, had to be at media. one point. <laughs> but their social media <laughs> yeah, is keeps support. Like this, I mean, their yeah, various attempts, ping and, and connect and uh, whatever, they've all been a bit, well, half-arsed, to be honest. Yeah. 
Yeah. Is that what it's called in the Apple Music thing now? Is it called Connect? Because I just realised I can't actually remember well, what it's called. It's called Connect. And now it's been, it's been demoted uh, as we... well. Uh, the last iTunes, I think they demoted it from going alongside the tracks to a separate pane or something. I don't know. I've never looked at it. It's it's mad how they never seem to get traction because Kinect should have been maybe like a the way I always see it, it was like having a web page browser within iTunes to basically catch up with the bands, but they just seem to never seem to get it right. I, I think I was one of the only people that actually used didn't quite liked Ping, didn't quite understand well, that's, it. That's part but of the I problem right there. You know, if if you have a service that people can't easily figure out how it's different from other services. I mean, right. If, if you think back, back in the day, uh, this isn't dissimilar to what MySpace used to kind of be like. And of course, you know, where's MySpace today? It's, it's as far as I know, it's history because Facebook took it over. Facebook was more of a catch all for everything that, you know, I'm using my fingers as quotes here, the kids yeah. were doing uh, at the time. And it, now that it's gained so much traction and everyone and their grandmother are using it, you know, it's only a matter of time before the kids abandon it for something else because their grandparents are on it. So, I mean, the other problem that Apple has is whether you want to talk about the Mac or whether you want to talk about the iPhone. Now, the iPhone, of course, is an incredible success for Apple. However, it's still like less than 15% of the overall market mobile. So if you have a service that is only cert- that is only good for 15% of the market, okay, you know, you're not going to get the kind of traction that you would with something that's more uh, ubiquitous like Facebook or Twitter. That's just, you know, the way things go. Well, I'm sorry. WhatsApp as well. WhatsApp as well. I mean, that seems to be the one that's really uh, gained the most traction because exactly. it's platform agnostic unless you've got a Windows phone and you can't well, use the, it And anyway. that's why iTunes was such a success because it was platform agnostic. It didn't matter if you were on Windows or the Mac. Now, obviously, they've they've never ported it over to uh, Linux or or some of the other smaller operating systems. But you know those those operating systems have a, a very small footprint when you're talking about the overall market. And every time Apple adds something to iTunes, well, they have to go back and renegotiate with all the content providers so that. You know, it keeps it all nice and legal. Guess, guess what, Joyce? I just looked it up, and MySpace is still a thing. Well, it's, it's, it's still, still there, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. whether, whether whether it's relevant, exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, whether it's relevant to anything is another. Although I I have heard, I'll be I'll be honest, I have heard mutterings that that MySpace has kind of morphed from the MySpace that you and I remember, guy, to a place where people promote their bands. It's become very much. And that that's great. Thing. Except, the, you know, the, the problem is if you don't have a lot of traction with a lot of people on that social service, it's like ping all over again. If not a lot of people yeah. are using it, then, you know, you can promote much the crap so. out of it if you want, but hardly anyone's going to see it. And that, that's why everyone has a Facebook presence. It's why everyone has a Twitter presence because there's just, the plethora of users that are on those platforms. Yep. It's, it's, well, it's what I like to call the Photoshop effect, isn't it? Or the Microsoft office effect. Why does everybody feel they have to have Microsoft office when there are plenty of perfectly good, viable alternatives? Yeah. Everybody that are, that are um, what's the word? Uh, you know, you can make a document in 
say, OpenOffice yeah. or something along those lines, and you can open it in Microsoft Office. You don't necessarily uh, – compatibility, that's the word I was looking for. You right. don't necessarily yeah, exactly. need Microsoft Office in order to create documents that are compatible with it. However, that's the preva- prevalent – God, you know, uh, one of these days I will learn how to speak in <sighs> That is the prevalent – uh, thought that you, you know, if you're serious about business, that you have to have Microsoft Office, and it's not necessarily true. I say that as I have a Microsoft Office 365 account, so you know, <laughs> take take that with a grain of salt. Well, I mean, I I I have to have Microsoft Office for my work, but not in the you? sense that most people have. Uh, yes, I do because I work in print guy and when people send me documents in microsoft word and expect them to be turned into pdfs i need them to be 100 percent correct uh but on my mac and by the way i use microsoft office on windows because i don't care what microsoft say they're not the same and it's horrible um but on my mac it's actually better to use LibreOffice even to open microsoft documents well, have you noticed uh, any compatibility changes between LibreOffice and MS Office when you open oh, up yeah. a document oh, yeah. in either yeah. one? Really? Okay. Yeah. 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 It, I mean, they, they can be close, but be, because of the sort of work I do, you know, for print, if somebody sends me a 128 page book, if one line moves on page five, the whole thing's shot to pieces. No, that's true. Um, yeah. So, but other than that, if it wasn't for that purpose, I, I wouldn't have any truck with Microsoft Office at all. I'd be, you know, I'd be sticking. I prefer LibreOffice, and that's why on my Mac I use LibreOffice for, or, you know, anything that requires that kind of work. Okay. But there you go. But yeah, you know, you're, you're right. I mean, Twitter and and Facebook and and all these things have traction, don't they? And inertia, and that's. That's what happens. Everybody uses it because everybody else uses it. Exactly. You know, it's why do people use Skype instead of Wire? Well, because Skype because, is there first. And, and everybody you know, uses it. As we, yeah, exactly. However, I, I get the impression that uh, Wire might be getting some traction because people like us keep saying how good it is. And Skype uh, appear to be determined to get a large bore shotgun and shoot their own toes off. Well, you know, but, uh... I would love to see, and I have suggested this. Uh, I, I actually sent a um, a message to Wire, and as a matter of fact, I sent a message to Rogue Amoeba as well, who's you know the makers of some of the pro- other programs that we've been talking about. Is that you know what podcasting needs is an all-in-one application that has uh, a c- connectivity from Wire. Uh, a soundboard or something like sound, something that will play uh, soundboard or sorry, uh, audio files and embed them within the uh, the podcast that you're recording, something like loopback so that you can have uh, multiple outputs in Audio Hijack Pro so that you can arrange those outputs how you want and multi-track recording like like in a DAW. It doesn't have to be as far as the DAW part of it goes, you know, there's all kinds of filters and effects and all kinds, you know, all this stuff that you can put into various DAWs. But a podcasting application, because you're typically talking about just um, uh, audio from microphones, it doesn't need to have, you know, all the the screeching guitar effects and the, the, the Moog synthesizer effects and all the rest of that that you see in a lot of DAWs. It just needs to be able to allow you to to tweak the the vocals in each individual track individually 
And I think a program like that, especially with the explosion of, of podcasts these days would be a huge seller because right now you have to go, I mean, <coughs> sorry, excuse me. Look at the trouble that both Mark and I are having just doing something simple, like being able to play a, um, you know, a Carl Madden silly song across the interweb so that everybody else can hear it and that Mark can record it. And you just can't do it. it it's, it's yep. very, very hard. It's very difficult. And getting that, you know, you can get it, to, you, you can get it to work once, maybe twice, and then you got to go back and tweak it a little bit to make sure that everything is doing what it's supposed to, especially if you're not using, yeah. let's say standard uh, software, like we're using wire instead of Skype. Well, for some things, Skype is because it's the more mature product is uh, the best one to use just because of its maturity. And, and that's not to say that, that wire isn't also great. It obviously is, but the fact that I can't easily hook up my soundboard or my sound cart program and play that across wire says that there's, there's something fundamentally wrong there. You know, I, I have my audio is set up in such a way that the loopback device, which I call Skype AH, uh, is my input into wire, but it is not playing those soundboard clips that I can easily do when I use Skype. I don't know why. Marco Arman did sort of drop a small hint into his podcast to say he was working on a podcasting uh, style app. But you're completely right, because before we start recording the show... I had the same board working and I, you know what it's like, you're not hundred percent with it. You, t- you touch one down, thing right. and then it all breaks and now it might. Yeah. And my same board isn't working now either. And you're right. There, there is definitely the demand out there. Uh, there is, um, a few online ones. There right. was Zencaster, which I tried. However, I lost a show to that because there was a well, well, bug that's, see, that's a where you right got there. double. And when people talk about online services versus, uh, local services that you have on your computer, that's where the breakdown is. You know, people say, well, the future is going to be uh, thin clients. Well, you know what? Uh, BS, because of ex- exactly. We've already tried that as well. Reasons. If you have a service that you're saying, okay, you don't need to have a digital audio workstation. You don't need to have a sound cart program. You don't need to worry about routing audio because we're going to do all that for you online. And you say, great. And then you go and you use it. And the first time something screws up, well, you just lost everything that you've done for the last five minutes, 10 minutes, one hour, gone, gone forever. Whereas if everything is being recorded locally, there's always ways to recover from that. Yeah. And again, I think, uh, Carl as well, he had a similar issue with mine, with like I did, where the end participants like you and Simon were fine, but there was like double loopback on his side. So every time he was saying it was like echoing through. And again, you you nailed it. You, you, and you have to, I mean, I've done this once before where I went and re-recorded all of my, uh, audio segments, uh, after and, it's not as easy and it's not as fun actually, as it sounds. It does not sound fun. Uh, admittedly, yeah. You can get your you can get your thoughts back on process and sound a little bit more intelligent and articulate, or at least in my case, try to. But no, it's uh, yeah. We've we've already been there in a the world of thin clients, and it doesn't quite work. And that's why we've come full circle to you know these little things called programs and apps and right. all that, that's that why sort I of stuff. Never exclusively use something like uh, the Chrome OS. I don't want to have to do everything online or rely 
on the the interwebs to reliably give me the the experience that I need to do what it is that I want to do. It it just it sometimes it just doesn't work. And when it doesn't work, it's yep. a nightmare. It's a nightmare. Uh, right, well, let's was, see then what we got next show, on our list. No, but if you listen to the show, you should know that very rarely do we stay on topic <laughs> and on trend and actually anything relating to our. Oh well, I will say though, um, if you ever want to do um, podcasting on the fly, Ferrite has now got a new feature where when you bounce the audio, it will do some leveling for you. So you can actually put all the tracks into Ferrite, do your editing, and when you bounce it out, it does some normalization of the audio, which I'm going to test because uh, I probably don't know about you, but I use Orphonic no, to I do use, the final uh, mix, uh, which is not sure supported is. on the Mac yeah, anymore, have, is it? Yeah, when is it? Ten, I think it was when ten twelve came out, when Sierra came out, uh, it kind of fundamentally broke Levelator because it was using something in a library folder that was, and I know I'm probably not saying this right. Uh, it was using something in a library folder. I won't worry about <laughs> saying anything right on this that, show. Blimey, uh, if we get something. <laughs> that got moved. And when that got moved, it, it kind of broke the program. Well, some very smart people went out and said, oh, okay, here's the difference right here. It's this and it's this. And uh, they got back, I think, to the original developer program and the original developer said oh okay well that's an easy fix and he did it and so now it works again if you go out and get the latest version levelator still works but it, it, if you uh could drop me a link because i want to give that a try because the last one i can see is version 212 uh yeah i think i have tried it i thought i will go in um it'll be in the show notes which will be in the on the central apple.com and if you've got a fancy dancy podcast player that supports properly formatted show notes, it will be on there as well. Well, according to this, 2.1.1 is the version that I have. Ooh, so there is a version 2.1.2. Excellent. I'm going to give that a try after the show. Right. Um, I completely agree with you on that. We will talk wire, more wire stuff after the show. Uh, what have we got next on the list here? Uh, da, 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 da. Um, uh, Walt, Moss, Walt Mossberg is retiring in June. Thanks for reading, watching, and listening. The Verge. Uh, anyone, any thoughts on that? I've got to say, I've not really followed Walt. Uh, uh, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, yeah, so that's okay. Um, well, I mean, Walt was famously Steve's chum and uh, his most liked journo. He's, he's very well respected. I, I've always liked his stuff. Uh, I can't say I'm a big follower of Walt. I mean, uh, Rob here said in the chat um i've always liked walt mossberg and he will be missed the control walt delete is a great podcast <laughs> which, um, I can't, i've never heard that's of that. a good, great title no i've never heard of it but it's a brilliant title I, i've read some of his pieces he always um you know seemed to make sense and uh had a good grasp i think of the technology scene so like everybody he's entitled to retire nobody should yeah, hold a gun to his head and tell him to keep writing he's had enough Enough's enough. Time to go and sit on the lawn and go drink fishing. mojitos or whatever it is, you know. Go fishing, whatever, yeah. So long and thanks for all the reviews, I guess, Walt. Well, you know, one of the things about Walt Mossberg, even even before he and, and Steve Jobs became kind of buddy-buddy officially online and, you know, with some, you know, Walt was the guy that Apple would occasionally filter stuff through. And Walt was the one that would get a lot of exclusives from Apple via Steve Jobs or, or whatever. And that gave him a lot of clout. 
automatically. Now, it wasn't like he didn't have clout before all of that because he is a he is a very good writer. Uh, but Apple and Steve Jobs, I think, really set him on the map as far as, you know, the guy to watch, especially over at the Wall Street Journal. You're not going to see a lot of guys like that anymore, I think, because a lot of tech companies, unless they're doing strict PR, aren't bringing this stuff, you know, the new stuff that's actually going to be released uh, to uh, the, the tech writing world before it, it actually happens. So, you know, this is kind of the end of an era. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that, actually. I think probably the closest thing we've got now is probably John Gruber. Yeah. You know, he's and, the closest. And, and, yeah, but he's, of, uh, he's not exactly unbiased either. Oh, no, no. Oh, blimey. No. I mean, I like John Gruber and a lot of what he says, you know, makes 100% sense to me. But there are times when I just think, John, that's just apologist BS. Yeah. And you know it. But then that said, you know, he's never he's never made any secret of that. He doesn't claim some sort unbiased. of, you know, magical unbiasedness. No, he, he's always said, you know, I like Apple. I support Apple. And I am what I am. So fair enough. I mean, I always liked the comment he made some time ago well several years now i'd expect about why are there no comments on the daring fireball blog and he said because i write this for me and you come here to read what i have to say and to be frank i'm not interested in what anybody else has to say about (laughs) what i say so there are no comments because i couldn't give (laughs) (laughs) which is fair enough you know and on top of which, of course, we all know what comments on blogs end up being. So just let's not bother. Why sully a perfectly good, uh, you know, monologue with a load of guff on the end by people who don't know what they're talking about? Yep, been there many, many times. I remember releasing yeah, we... a, uh, a. I did a live stream of a um, of a pinball game, and because the yeah, it's like whatever, whenever you do a live stream, you talk. That's the whole point of a live stream. Uh, and I got all these people that couldn't quite grasp the concept of, even though I'm saying this is me doing a live playthrough of, what was it called? Pinout, which has an absolutely awesome, awesome soundtrack. It was just flame after flame. He's like, oh, my God, you're ruining this game. Oh, my God, you're just shilling for, uh, you know, for clicks and, you know, clickbaiting. And I said, have you actually read the notes at the top where I link completely um, affiliate code free to the artist and to the app. Funnily enough, he didn't respond after that. God bless you. I mean, trolls, trolls are, are the, the bane of our existence. And uh, on both Facebook and Twitter, I use my real name because I honestly don't get whether or not people you know, like what I say or, or like my opinions, I don't hide. And so many of these people that have nothing better to do than criticize, uh, especially on services like uh, disc where you can hide everything about yourself that gives them the, the false bravado to say whatever it is that, that they want to say, because they know that there won't be any consequences for it. And that's as far as I'm concerned, that's cowardice. You're a coward. If you hide behind uh, anonymity to simply uh, scream at someone and tell them that they suck. Okay, well, you know what? You're a coward. That's that's really what it just comes down to. Yep, I agree. Yeah, I really do. Right, we'll move on then to we're going to one more story. Oh, we've got a plethora of stories here, but uh, uh, what one should we go for? Is there anyone on here? How about the deck stock? Yes. 
Samsung's desk tech stock. Yep. I find that very interesting. Notes, Mark. It, it, actually, I put this one in because it relates very much to the, the one we were looking at the other week, the Apple patent for, yeah. a, for a sort of laptop type thing with a insert your phone here. Uh, and the, the, this Samsung De- Dex dock um, turns the Samsung Galaxy into a desktop. Um, this report was from Wired, uh, and they seem to think it's a fabulous idea. I'm, I find it interest, interesting, like Guy, I find it very interesting and quite intriguing. Whether it's commercially a great idea, I'm not convinced. Um, well, if you look I can at see it working in certain vertical markets, maybe places where people do a lot of hot desking or whatever, but I don't know. Well, it's not a new idea. Uh, yeah, as, no, it's not. Not, not. not so much, you know, taking your phone and turning it into a desktop computer, uh, but using mobile OSs as a desktop computer. There's there's a company, um, I bought their product. Uh, the company's called Jide, and they had this thing called uh, the Mini, and it ran off of an OS that they created from Android called Remix. And the Remix OS takes Android and turns it into uh, a, a desktop operating system. You've got multiple windows, you have layers, you can run multiple programs. And uh, this mini, it was like the size, a little bit bigger than a deck of cards, it had two USB ports, HDMI out, and uh, a headphone jack. It had Wi-Fi and it had Bluetooth. And the whole thing cost about $70. This was a complete computer for $70. All you needed, you know, of course you needed to connect it to a monitor and you needed a keyboard and you needed a mouse and, you know, I mean, all the, the rest of that stuff. But if you were buying a desktop computer and let's go low end and say you, you bought a desktop computer for $300. Well, you still need the keyboard. You still need the mouse. You still need all that other stuff. And this gives you a, a very similar experience using Android with, with all the cheap apps that come with it for $70. And I thought it was it was amazing. And as soon as I saw it, it was like, Jesus, why doesn't Apple just come out with a, a little dock or a cable that you connect up to your iPhone and your iPad, and then the other side goes to a monitor, and now you have, you know, it, it switches from being strictly a touch OS to uh, more of a, of a desktop kind of, of interface. And, you know, this is something that I, I think Apple could easily do, and I'm sure that they already have. And, and, and I talked about this last week on my Mac, that they've already done this in their skunk works, that they have something like this going. And, you know, if you think back to when they did the switch to Intel, you know, Steve Jobs came out and said, you know, this isn't something that, that we just decided to do on a, on, a, on a lark, that they've been working on this since 1999 or 2000. To, to bring the Mac OS into uh, the Intel, you know, the x86 uh, environment. And it was a great idea, and it, it's led to where Apple is today as far as the Mac goes. Well, the thing that, you know, yeah, I know this is this is a Mac show, and there's a lot of people that, that are big Mac supporters that use this show, but the Mac is old school, and it's not the future for Apple. The future for Apple is iOS. So how do you, how do you convince people to go out that don't use an iPhone to get an iPhone. You, you do that by saying, you know, you buy an iPhone and now you don't need a desktop computer. You buy an iPhone and you don't need a standalone laptop because your iPhone will do all these things and it'll do it in a way that you're used to using a computer with. That's the problem right now for iOS 
is that you, you can put it on a big screen, but it's still a touch interface. It's still limited mostly to one application at a time. And if iOS is the future for Apple, and I think it is, there has to be a way to differentiate between using a device strictly for mobile and using a device that you're used to in a, in a regular type computer environment. That's, you know, that's just the way I feel about it. I've got to admit, just reading this, uh, this article from Wired, it does seem a little bit biased. Uh, maybe it is that good a product here, but when at the very bottom of the article, uh, it says here, one thing's for sure, Apple owners will be looking on with envious eyes wanting their own Cupertino version of the DeX. And earlier in the article, it does say that they've taken the Android OS and made it work with a keyboard and mouse. Now, I'm lucky it worked. I'm just about to get an upgrade to a Microsoft Surface. And I can tell you now that I'm already starting to get a little bit sort of uh how do you put it sigh like every time i'm on the keyboard i have to i instinctively reach up to touch the screen exactly and it doesn't work it really does it okay every now and again it's quicker just to go up and just close down an app rather than scroll away with the mouse but is it actually any quicker is it any quicker move my hands up from the keyboard to the screen or down from the keyboard to the touchpad i don't think so i think it's actually been studied as well hasn't there yeah and as far as Samsung goes, this product isn't going to work. And I'll tell you why. Because Samsung doesn't own Android. This is not their operating system. And all Google has to do, if they really want to screw with Samsung for whatever reason, is make some little change in Android OS to make it so that this doesn't work anymore. And then all the people that bought Dex and all the other pieces that went along with it are going to be hacked off, not necessarily at Google but at Samsung because they have broken what it is that they're currently using. Well, there's you know, one point. This, this is why might... if, if Samsung <laughs> was smart, if Samsung was smart, they've got the, the, I guess you guys talked about it earlier, the Tizen OS. We, we're yeah. going to cover that next, I think. I mean, the, oh, the thing yes. here is just, a, got, just, yeah, sorry. Just, yeah, just to jump in. You're right there, Guy, because it says here, the reason uh, how this has worked is because Samsung has completely redesigned the Android UI, so it's optimized for yep. use with keyboard and mouse. The right. pimp- and that's what the Remix OS did as well. But the problem is now, what happens down the line when Google release a new OS? Yep. Will the SA get it, or will it be delayed? Because they've taken an OS, they've baked it, brilliant. What happens down the line? That's, what, that's where my... Uh, that's where my head would be going. That's why, well, I, I that's think why we, Apple I think, has the advantage because they control the hardware, they control the software, they control the OS. So whatever changes they make to any one of those, they can, if they so choose, make it work down the line with stuff that people have already purchased. This is why Samsung, if they were smart, whoa, hi, Kitty, would change this to the, their Tizen OS, assuming that they can get all the vulnerabilities out of it. And I'm sorry, hold on a second. Ah, come here. Stop, stop. And uh, use it with that because then they're controlling the operating system and they're controlling the hardware. Otherwise, you know, they are subject to the whims of uh, Google and other people to make it continue to work. Yeah, there's only one flaw in your argument there, guys. Oh, what's that? I said well, that it? assumes that... Yeah, no, no. That assumes that the Galaxy S8 would ever actually get an update. Yeah, Meow. well, that. Well, <laughs> but again, why is it that all of these Android phones don't receive those updates? 
because the Android makers, the manufacturers of the phone, include their own crap into Android. It's very rare that you get a phone other than from Google that is the so-called pure Android experience. They each have to put their own little bits into it because otherwise there's no way to differentiate themselves from one Android phone maker to the next. Oh, I totally agree. I totally yeah. agree. And so then that's what, why you get you... this situation, don't you, where, where you know, Google release an update, a security, a security update, update. Yeah. Or, or a full-blown, you know, new version. And, well, to be honest, most phones just never see it. They just don't. Yeah. Uh, you know, even, the, even often the top flight phones, which people have paid, you know, hundreds and hundreds of dollars for, are stuck well, with the version they came with. And that's... That's well, shocking. remember, remember right. that there's, there's another component to this. It's not just the phone makers that are preventing it. It is also the carriers because that the carriers don't necessarily want you to keep using the phone that you bought last year. They want you to buy a new phone that they can put you under contract for for two years. And this is why you're seeing the care. You know, the carriers went from having these. Oh, you know, no money down. You can, you know, get this phone for nothing as long as you pay for it over the life of the contract. And, you know, this locked people into the various, especially here in the United States, this locked people into the various carriers that were available that were, you know, putting these phones out. Well, now they've taken away almost all those subsidies. But what they do now is it's, it's kind of similar where they tell you right up front, you know, we're going to give you this phone for a very low price, but you're going to have to pay for it over the length of a contract. They're still trying to lock people into contracts. And this is where, again, Apple has the advantage because Apple's like, yeah, you know what? We don't want to do that. We want you to buy the phone outright and then you use it for whatever GSM or CDMA carrier that you choose. And if you want to choose a different carrier, yeah, go ahead. You're not going to notice any difference in upgrades. You're not going to notice any difference in the kinds of applications that you can use because it's still the pure Apple experience, no matter what carrier you have this phone on. Yeah, definitely. Which is, of course, which is also part of, you know, how the iPhone totally changed the phone landscape, isn't it? Because Apple sure. had enough clout to come out and say, we're going to make this phone. Everybody's going to want to buy it. Um, and, and so it's on we are not terms. letting you. We aren't, yeah, we're selling it on our terms. We're not letting you brand it, install shovelware on it, or do any other crap. Yep. Um, and which is, of course, why they, you know, started off with an exclusive deal. Uh, yeah, with, with um, Singular. AT&T, was it? In, well, in, it started in off with Singular, and then AT&T bought them. Right, okay. And and in this country, obviously, it went to O2. Right. Um, and that's actually why I'm on O2, because... I always hated mobile phones, but when the iPhone came out, I wanted one. And so at that point, I, I went to O2 and got an iPhone. And here I am X number of years later, and I'm still with them. So yeah. however much they had to pay Apple, uh, it, it was, was probably worth it. Worth it. Yeah. Because I'm still buying iPhones for them, um, and I do actually take mine and pay for them over the course of the contract because I don't tend to have 800 quid laying around. But, you know, each to their own. Each their own, but yeah, I'm still on a six. I'm still on a six plus, which is now two generations back. And when the yep. next phone comes out, whether it's called the eight or the ten or the plus or whatever, you know, I'll make my decision then on whether or not I replace the phone because the the six plus working great. Everything is still 
smooth and crystal clear, and, and oh, yeah. I like the phone. So if, if unless there's a compelling reason for me to swap out my tech, and it has to be a really compelling reason, uh, I'm just not going to do it. I mean, I'm still on a 2010 Mac Pro. I just bought a 2012 Mac Mini. You know, all my stuff is, for the most part, not brand new. And I don't care as long as it does what it is I need it to do. Yeah, exactly. As long as it does what you want. That's right. always been the secret, isn't it? Yeah. But a lot of people are like, oh, I've got to get the new one because it's got uh, 1.6 megapixels more than the one that I've got now. So I can yeah. take pictures of my cat. I mean, I, re- I refresh my phone every two years, basically. But that's because I pay for mine over a contract. When the contract ends, I, I could either cut the price of um, that I pay by the month and change over to a SIM-only deal, or I can refresh my phone. And I tend to just say, well, I'll refresh my phone. I don't have fine. to, no. but that's that's how I do it. And uh, as it happens, my wife's iPhone is a year out of phase with me. So one year she has the new phone um, and keeps it for two years. The next year I have a new, like, the new phone and keep it for two years. Yeah, why not? So that, that works for us. But uh, go, going back to what we were talking about. Oh, the was there something we were talking about? <laughs> I think we were, yeah. Yeah, no, no not but, but we were talking. we were talking about the the decks and how that's beholden to Google and Android. And you mentioned the Tizen, which is somewhat relevant here because uh, I'm not sure that I 100% trust this this report, but uh, apparently Samsung's Tizen is the worst code I have ever seen, according to security researcher Amihai Neidemann, who apparently works for some Israeli security company, um, if it's true, then it's it's a poor show. But that said, he appears to be the only person shouting this from the rooftops. So you have to wonder, is he just flapping his trap to attract attention to himself? Um, now, Guy and I uh, and Alex Fox yesterday, in fact, had a, a bit of a chatter across Twitter about this uh, because I, I said it, it, if it's true, it would be sad because it would be nice to have a credible third player in mobile. Sure. Um, and I think it would need somebody like Samsung uh, to do that. And Guy, you said, didn't you, like you wouldn't choose Samsung. And I think you misunderstood my original uh, intent, which was not to say that I think Samsung would be the best people to produce a third way in mobile operating systems, but it would need somebody with a fairly big market penetration and a lot of cash to throw at it to to break into what is now a duopoly because all the other players in the game have dropped out i mean microsoft missed the boat and if if microsoft can't break a duopoly you know you're in big trouble well microsoft Uh, just ubuntu have pulled out you know um and there's several other minority players but at the minute yeah i mean yeah microsoft screwed up Right, royally, because as we were saying earlier, you know, the, the, the Windows Phone OS is actually quite nice. From the but ones that I've seen, to yeah. capture the, They didn't manage to capture the imagination and they didn't capture the, the apps. And it was the lack of apps that drove yep. my daughters to, to say, uh, enough with this phone. I've had it. So you, you have, you know, uh, number one, they're, they're, they're one, the biggest mistake they made was buying Nokia. There was no reason at all to buy them. I mean, just so that they could get access to hardware, you know, 
no, no, they didn't need to do that. All they should have done, you put out the OS, you, you make it so that um, application developers can make more money, maybe not overall at first, but more money from uh, apps being sold on your operating system versus Android and iOS. And you, you have to build up the market. The, the, the problem Microsoft had, and it was the same way with the Zune, is that they expected just because they released something that lots of people are going to buy it. And when lots of people don't buy it immediately, they declare it a failure, take it off the market, and then, you know, go away. The only thing that they've done uh, in that regard that was has been different so far is the uh, the Xbox. They actually had patience with it and slowly built up to market to where they're like one of the biggest players in uh, in video games. Um they're ch- sort of trying to do that with the surface in that they they're forcing people to add a, a, a touch component to their applications with windows 10, but it's, it, it's almost half hearted. You know, this, the whole surface thing started under, um, Oh God, what was that guy's name? Yes. Oh my, yes. Bowman was the one who spearheaded, uh, the whole Nokia thing. And he just seemed to leave, uh, the old sassy Nadella with like, Hey, go. Um, yeah. you, there's always like, oh, bugger. Yeah. So, you know, he's continuing. The, the first one of the first things he did was uh, drop the Surface RT, which honestly was where they should have stuck a touch interface into a tablet was with an arm based, you know, c- same thing as with Android, same thing with iOS, an arm based tablet that you can run applications on and, you know, leave the desktop alone. Windows 7, especially after the 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 hell that Vista was Windows Seven really put Microsoft back on the map as far as people going oh yeah yeah that's that's a pretty good OS and then they they you know they they blew it with Windows Eight and Eight Point One and the original Surface devices where you had the RT which was ARM based and you had the Surface Pro that was x86 based, but they looked exactly alike as far as the interface goes. And, you know, that was the thing with Balmer. Balmer was like, I want everything to look the same, no matter what Microsoft device it is that you're using. But that's, that's complete and utter bollocks because you use different things for different reasons and for different purposes. So why make everything look alike? And so people would go to a store and go, well, I can get this surface pro for X number of dollars, but the surface RT is so much cheaper. So they get the Surface RT, take it home, and find out none of their applications work because they all have to work on x86 code as compared to ARM code. And it was just, it was a nightmare. Yeah, disaster. It was a, a total disaster. PR-wise and planning-wise, it was absolute. That was a mess. The RT suffered from the problem that it was, it shouldn't have been called Windows. It should have been called uh, something else because you had two versions of the world's most popular desktop OS. Oh, it runs Windows. Oh. Okay, um, but you can't use your apps. Yeah. So uh, other than other than the fact that you can't use the apps that you're used to and paid for, it's exactly like Windows. Yeah, it should have been called Surface OS, shouldn't it? Or yeah, and it should it should have in my opinion, this course, you know, for for what it's worth, five six years down the road, uh, Surface OS, which is would have been a great name for it, should have stuck with the ARM architecture, and I think now you know at this point we would have seen a lot more traction. It would have been a three-way race in tablets anyway, between Surface, Android, and iOS. And there would have been other manufacturers of 
Surface OS devices. You know, they could have been that third alternative to Android and iOS. But no, they decided to, they were going to make it ubiquitous between all their various uh, uh, operating, not operating systems, you know, uh, processors. And it was just, it was a boneheaded move and it was never going well, to work. I, I, th- I think that just tied to the kind of Steve Ballmer mantra of Windows everywhere, Windows on everything. Um, which yeah, well, well, he's a marketing was guy. just boneheaded, you know, was just bone Windows, w- Windows on. You know, they persisted at that at that point. They were in the thing where they would persist in jamming Windows onto any and every product they could find, hacking the hell out of Windows if need be to make it work. Whereas now they've drifted, you know, towards this scalable OS idea, which is a whole different ball game. But right, anyway. right. Well, I'll tell you what. We are chaps. This is. I think we're going to split this episode up into two. Uh, we'll. Crack on uh, for and go on to oh blimey I haven't got time for any more stories. Uh, we will go on to the feedback now, guys. We know as being followers Sorry, of yours, guy. Guy, yes, dead. I was just about to say you know how much of a loyal following, how much of a loyal following we are that we can't even get your name right. Um, we had <laughs> some feedback, uh, and now we know how much you'd love reading stuff out cold without any prep. So do you want to take away this week's feedback in the email from Richard Gregory? Heads up on a weird iOS issue. Okay. Yeah. He says, hello, all, and thank you for, and I'm not even going to try to do an English accent. Hello. Keep going. Stick with it, man. Stick with it. I had a major issue that is probably rare, but worth sharing for anyone who listens, anyone who will listen and uses an ad blocker on iOS. I'll keep it short after having hangs on all of my devices when upgrading to iOS 10.3. Uh, he did figure out what was happening. The install was hanging at his iCloud account info screen, regardless of which option he selected, enter my password or skip. It turns out that I ha- that he had set up a proxy server because that's how web block app web block apps work on iOS, both on his phone and iPad. For whatever reason, this was blocking traffic to Apple's iCloud servers only after the the update to 10.3 as everything worked fine before the upgrade. He tested the theory and contacted FutureMind, who was the dev, and received a nice reply saying that they are working on fixing the issue. Here's their reply to his email. I'm trying to get my pronouns right here. Describing what happened. Hi. We are hard at work to investigate and fix issues with iCloud and other Apple services while WebBlock is enabled. We'll introduce a allow Apple rule at the end of the filter section once we test it thoroughly. Kind regards, Camille Paskzewisk, something like that. This cost me a lot of time on the phone with Apple support, which was helpful. It's a very oddball issue that will really tick off those it affects. To me, this was even worse than having an AirPod set that doesn't work properly. Uh, he's kidding. He feels your pain as my nearest Apple store is 100 miles away, a trip he's had to make more than once. Also, the new iPad has a teardown now, which seems to confirm it's aimed at keeping costs low for both Apple and the owners, which only makes sense. Uh, for example, the screen replacement is cheaper, not being laminated IIRC. Your podcast brings up some good points that aren't fully explored at times. I'm not sure if that's a compliment or not. Uh, I enjoy hearing these being recapped and updated in the next podcast. 
keep things positive. I hope all is well with everyone. Richard. Cheers, Richard. Thank you very yeah, much. Thank you. Thanks for the comments. Uh, we've also had some more feedback this week from Mac Jim in that there Slack room of, uh, of ours. And funnily enough, we were talking about Word earlier on, and I couldn't get a word in edgeways. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> I've got, we had some, uh, he's done a review of the 595 Strapco camera strap and he sent in pages. So that's the first ever time I've ever been sent a document, uh, that's used pages. Uh, what else have we got to do before we wrap up? Uh, right, this week's app session. Uh, so we've, we've mentioned clips. Now, Mr. Madden from the Mac and Forth show has, well, he's been getting back, he's been doing some fitness and some running, which you'll be able to see, uh, over on his Facebook page and macandforth.com. Uh, and he was having a problem with his AirPods, which instantly work as well. Nice one, Carl. But the problem he was having that they were falling out of his ears. So he went on to his, that there Amazon and used his Amazon Google Foo. Uh, and he's found a set of grips, I think you would call them, some AirPod hooks from Spigen. And they're called the Tika, T-E-K-A, Sports Replacement Soft Tips, which basically they're like sports grips for your AirPods to stop them slipping out. Now, I haven't had that problem, but then again, I can only wear one at a time. And looking at the state of my iPhone, which has been flashing on and off for the last two hours we've been recording, it's unlikely I'm not going to be able to use them uh, for much longer anyway. So thanks very much. Um, Mr. Guy, Guy? Yes, it is Guy. Yeah. I had to look up. Um, any apps Hello. this week that have caught you? All right, Giza. Any apps right. that have caught your eye? Uh, yeah, you know, I was talking about um, live casting earlier, and uh, I currently use a program called Wirecast, but that's, like, really, really expensive, so I'm not going to use that as an example of, of something. But if you want to try live casting, there's a, especially on Facebook, there's a program from a company called, uh, let me find it here, Just Broadcaster, J-U-S-T-B-R-O-A-D-C-A-S-T-E-R. And they have a version for Facebook and they have a version for, for YouTube. And I, think, and I as I recall, it's like 20, 30 bucks, not really super expensive. But if you want to get your feet wet in live casting and be able to switch between um, different screens and, you know, add little movies and, and all the rest of that stuff. This is a fantastic program to use to do exactly that. And the developer of it is very responsive. And he's actually, he added, actually added something that I had suggested uh, within a month of, of me getting a hold of him. So yeah, check that out. Just broadcaster for Facebook or just broadcaster for YouTube. We, I did take a look at some broadcasting software a couple of episodes ago. How does it handle uh, doing window capture? So let's say you want to capture nothing but the Safari window. Will it capture that window? And if you put anything over the top of that window, it won't show what's overlaid. It only just shows the Safari window as an example. Well, it does do window capture. It also You can also crop from within a window, the part that you want to just capture. If you put something over top of it, of course, uh, it's, it's going to mess it up. So usually the best thing to do is have that window where you want it, uh, especially if you're doing cropping, and don't move it during the time that you're doing the live cast. I will find the other software that I was testing the other week. I think it was, I think it was uh, Mr. Nemo who put me onto it. So that's brilliant. I'm going to give that a go because I do the older uh, Friday nights. I'm going to find a link and I'll send I've, you a link. 
I've got it here. It's uh, justbroadcaster.com. Broadcaster.com. So that'll be <laughs> in the show notes. Simon, what about yourself? What Have you got anything for us this week? Uh, no, not really, to be Fair honest. Fair enough. Um, as I've spent all my time tinkering with my 11-pound earbuds. Just to rub that in. 11-pound. Uh, <laughs> and they were. And I bet they're stereo. <laughs> yes, they're fabulous. I'm not rising to it. I'm not rising to it. Um, <laughs> Quite right. That was my, a bit of a low blow, really. A bit of a low blow, that one. It's becoming well, the running gag. Run time, aren't we, chaps? We're not going to get anywhere near Elon Musk and his brain interface or the robot queen or the man who uh, controls his hand with his brain interface or any of the rest of it. Yeah, but we've that's had Guy on the show, and that's like two hours of something. You. We've created two hours of something. Uh, my... Um, Worth a chirp, obsession is if you're a cyclist, don't forget to properly zip up your bike carrier if you've got your, sorry, your iPhone holder if you've got your phone. That's the only thing I can really give to the world today. And you know what, champs? I think we've got a show. So let's wrap things up then. Mr. Guy, thank you very much for coming on oh, at the last minute. Well. We will get you on again, definitely. It's always good to, um, it's always good when you're on because you're like, Carl, once you're going... There's just this seamless, and it's brilliant for editing, because I could just sit back and go, yep, that block of audio there, don't need to do anything with that. It's like Lay's like potato crisps. You can't eat just one. Uh, see, are they crisps or chips? Because we, well, we need that, to get said, this right. I said crisps because it's a UK show, and if you say chips, people think fries. <sighs> in, this, in the Quite UK. Correct. Fanta, thank you very much for what coming they think on. If you say fries, well, fries are um, like what I mean, boiling oil. Okay, so like a fry up. So when you go from McDonald's, they go Big Mac and fries. What do you get? You you get a uh, Big Mac and what we call French fries, and you guys call potato crisps. No, 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 no. See, no. I'm you get French fries, which are the little tiny stringy ones. Yeah. Yeah, French fries. So how can fries... It's been a long time since I've been in the UK. Last time I was in the UK was 92. And so I... In this country, if you... In this country, if you say chips, people think you mean chip shop chips, which if... Which our listeners who are not from the UK are potatoes chopped to about the size of your index finger and then deep fried, which is basically the same as a French fry except bigger. I don't know if it still exists. There was a, a fish and chip. Here we go again. There was a fish and chips place near Victoria Station in London. I think it was called Seashells. And they used to do, you know, the fried halibut wrapped in the newspaper with chips. And oh my God, every time I went to the UK, I practically lived on that place. Carl, I know where that is. He's from London. He knows where everything is. Oh, blimey. Let's, let's get out of here. Christ, these are the world to live. Um, well, let's you want me to get tell you how to find me? Yeah, go on. Why not? Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll try that. My email address is guy at mymac.com. Uh, you can find me on the Twitters as Mac Parrot. And of course, I do, I do the My Mac podcast with Gaz and the Mac to the Future Go live cast on Wednesday nights, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time over there on the Facebooks. I will try and join in. I will see if I can surreptitiously hide my phone to. Uh, Take a moment to gander at your well, uh, your physique. You actually have to be a member of of the page. Ah, right. Okay, that means I'm going to have to try and understand to use Facebook. Bugger, Simon. <laughs> if how can people get hold of you if they so wish? 
Uh, me? Well, as usual, you can find me on Twitter as at Serenak, and that's S-E-R-E-N-A-K. Plus, of course, there's the EssentialApple.com, and there's the Twitter, and there's the Facebook page, and there's our Google Plus community, and people can get hold of us by any means they like and ask for an invitation for Slack. Yes, they can. And uh, thank you to everyone in the Slack room this week who's been contributing stories. Uh, for those of you who've uh, used the Amazon affiliate link, a big thank you. And of course, our lovely, lovely Patreon subscribers who have been helping rather nicely with the hosting bills for this show. So thank you very much, one and all. If you want to get a hold of me personally, you can do so via our Ocean Speed or you follow the show where we post notes, reviews, and any other sort of cool stuff we see throughout the week as we go along. That's actually your Apple. We've got the Google Plus, the Facebook, which I was supposed to be looking at there, but I forgot. Uh, and basically, we're on iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, TuneIn, basically anywhere where we're allowed to put our nonsense. So, Guy, Simon, no, Gaz, no, Guy, thank you very much for coming on the show. <laughs> Thanks uh, for we, me. we will definitely have you on again soon, and uh, we will see you next time. Cheerio, everyone. All right, goodbye. Bye. And we're done. Yeah, I think just a straight ad, don't you? Yeah. Like what? What would we say? Like tech fan podcast uh, or? Are you Are you interested in technology and gadgets? Uh huh. Do you um, want to listen to two guys who know technology and gadgets? Are we claiming to be those guys? Yes. <laughs> well, there, there we go. Are we claiming to be that be those guys? You be the judge, tech fan podcast. No. That'll work. Let's use that as an ad.